Yes? Okay. I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of John, chapter 14. John, chapter 14. John 14. If you're there, say amen. Amen. All right, excellent. All right. There with you. Now, um, yeah, when you, uh, a lot of parties are going to go on over the next few days. Maybe you'll be a part of some of them. And uh, when you receive someone, that word receive, when you receive someone at a party, you welcome him, you embrace him or her, you admit him into your home. And we do a lot of preaching, provoking people to receive Jesus Christ, to accept his sacrifice as the payment for your sins to take his death, his burial, and his resurrection as the only offering you need. And we do a lot of that. And that's, that's good, and that's right, and that's the gospel. But in John chapter 14, we notice that we also need to remember that one day, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to receive us. Look at John chapter 14, verse 1. You see in that upper room... Jesus Christ is promising to receive his disciples. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there you may be also and there he is saying I'm promising you I'm going to receive you one day like you received me one day I'm going to receive you one day and like those men we need to hear some preaching about being received by Christ I do a lot of preaching about you receiving Christ but how about being received by Christ That moment when he accepts us, when he embraces us, when he welcomes us into his home to take his people out of this present evil world as an offering to God forever. Now, you say, why do you tell them that? Well, If Jesus Christ was saying goodbye to you, like he was saying goodbye to them, you'd want to be told that I'm coming back to receive you unto myself. That's exactly what the Savior did. So we know what it means, and we do a lot of talk about what it means to receive Christ, but I want to talk today about what does it mean to be received by Christ. That's the thought, received by Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We thank you today. We just pray, Lord, your blessing upon all these, you know, Lord, all these distractions, but none of them are difficult for you to let your word go out clearly and plainly so that some saint may be drawn to you and some sinner might be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Right. I'm going to ask you to stay in the book of John. And you hear me okay? Because I feel like the need to shout over the fans, but the microphones are doing the job. John chapter 1. All right. And the first thing, I mean, how many people sitting here would like to be received by Christ one day? I mean, who would not want that? Well, if you want to be received by Christ, you have to have first received Christ. Okay, that's number one. If you want to one day be received by Christ, you have to first receive Christ yourself. John chapter 1 verse 9, the Bible speaking of Jesus Christ says, that was the true light, capital L which lighted every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. And there it is. The Lord Jesus Christ was rejected by the very people that he came to save. What a tragedy. What a heartache. What a missed opportunity that Jesus Christ was rejected by the very people that he came to save. Look at verse number 9. Verse number 9 says, He gave them light, but they loved darkness rather than light, the Bible tells us. John chapter 3 says, Men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. He gave them light. The Bible says he lights every man that comes into the world. But they still rejected him. Why? Because they loved the dark. Verse 10 says, he was in the world. (laughs) He was manifest in the flesh. But you know what? They didn't know who he was. They missed him. He walked around in their streets. He walked around in their midst. He he walked through their synagogues. They could bump into him on a crowded road. They still missed him, even though he was there. And verse 11 says, he came unto his own. That's his nation. That's Israel. He came to his nation as their promised Messiah. And they crucified him. Can I tell you folks right now that at his first coming, Jesus Christ obliterated every excuse of man for not receiving him. You got that? Every excuse you and I can come up with Every excuse you and I could drum up has been shattered by Jesus Christ coming the first time. Right in those three verses. You see verse 9? You say, well, I don't know. I I didn't know. You can't plead ignorance. Because Jesus Christ has given everybody enough light to find him. Whether it's the light of creation, the light of conscience... There is nobody. The Bible says we're all without excuse. There is no one that can really sit there and say, well, I didn't know there was a God. And I didn't know you were over there. And I didn't know I was accountable to you. Everybody with breath in their lungs and a heartbeat that's still clicking and pumping knows deep down there is a God. And if you'll follow that light, God will give you more light. Everybody that has a sensitive conscience to know that I just don't feel right when I lie. I just don't feel right when I steal. I just don't feel right when I lust. If you just follow that conscience, the Bible says the law is written on your heart and your conscience bears witness to the fact that you kind of know right and wrong deep down even though you like to drown it out. There's, There's testimony everywhere. There's light everywhere. You can't say, well, if I saw him then I'd believe him. 
Because the people that saw him missed him. The people that heard him preach, the people that watched him walk, the people that saw him come out of the tomb, it happened around them and they still missed him. Verse 11, he came unto his own. You know, Jesus Christ came with signs. He came with wonders. He came fulfilling prophecies. Hey, you know another excuse is? You can't look for signs. Because Jesus Christ fulfilled every prophecy. Jesus Christ worked every miracle. And those people still called for his blood. Israel still rejected him. Even in hell, Abraham told a rich man and said, they won't be persuaded even if one rises from the dead. All right? The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the most verifiable fact in all of history. And how many people do you know that laugh at it? How many people do you know that scoff at it? How many people do you know that wrote and think and say, oh, I'm going to a July 4th, 2023 barbecue, and they'll recognize the date, July 4th, 2023, and disregard the fact that that date hinges on the resurrection of Jesus Christ because he basically turned history on its head. But they'll just ignore it. Verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Amen. Even though there's excuse after excuse after excuse that people make, if you receive the Son of God, you get to become a Son of God. You like that? I like that. You receive the Son of God, Jesus Christ, you become a Son of God. Now, notice some things about this. Verse 12. You say, who does this apply to? As many as. I like that. As many as. That means if you're willing to receive Him, He's willing to receive you. If you'd have him, he'll take you. If you'll receive him as your savior, he wants to be your savior. Isn't that a blessing? What a blessing. What a miracle. Hey, hey, sorry, Calvin. There's no limited atonement in my Bible. There's no like, you know, oh, you didn't get in. Oh, no, it's only for as many as received him. Whosoever will, let him come. All right. How about verse number 12 again. Well, what are we receiving? That's who it's for. It's for everybody. What are we receiving? As many as received him. You see, you're receiving a person, not a process and not a program. You're receiving a person. I remember being a, a young altar boy and reading the gospel for the first time and realizing that that was a That was a man that died on that cross. That was a person. It wasn't an ideology. It wasn't an ism. It wasn't a creed that I recited. It was a person that bled. It was a person that felt. It was a person that cried out. It was a person that was pierced. It was a person with love and affection. It was a person that was thinking about me on that cross and thinking about you sitting here now. That's who you're receiving so you can have a relationship, not a membership. Do you have a relationship? It's not a membership. We don't take a role here. We don't, you know, check a box here. You come if you want to come. You leave if you want to leave. 
but Jesus Christ beckons you to have a relationship with him. And, uh, and you say, well, how do I get this relationship? It's right there. This is a great verse. Even to them that believe on his name. You receive him when you believe him. That's it. You receive him when you believe on him. You receive him not in your mouth, but in your heart. Okay? Many of us came out of a church. We said, did you receive this week? Well, you got to wait an hour after you receive. It's not like going in the pool, people. All right? You know, that's, you can receive him. You receive him in your heart. <laughs> you receive him by faith. You don't put him in your mouth. What vicious blasphemy. Think about it. Now, I know to you, you're uncomfortable sometimes when I get on that thing because we're so inundated by that harlot that we think that's the norm. How blasphemous to think you got to bite a piece off of the Savior so you can have eternal life. That is pagan voodoo idolatry to think you get the powers of your God by consuming them. David wrote that their drink offerings were like, not take up in my lips. We have no part of that. We receive them by faith. You know why? Because I can't grab his toe. I can't grab his arm. I can't access his thigh and eat that. Jesus said, even if you could, wouldn't profit you anything. Am I making you nervous? Am I kicking the sacred cow? It needs a good kick once in a while. Because it's just blasphemy. I don't hate anybody. I'm not hating anybody that's trapped in that. But it's not Bible. That's all I'm saying. It's just not Bible. It's so far from the Bible. And the truth shall make you free. You're not receiving him literally. You're not receiving him outwardly. It's not about what, what building you go into or what, what vestment you put on or what, what box you check on your census or your college application. It's an inward thing. It's a spiritual thing. It's a thing by faith. It's not because, and finally, it's not because of what you've done. It's not because of who you are. It's your confidence in what he's done. It's your confidence in who he is that makes you call out. Because whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So when you realize that that's who Jesus Christ is and that's who God is and that's what he did for you and that's what's finished on that cross and that's what you could be a part of. Hey, you say, hey, Lord, save me. Now go to verse 13. Look what happens. When the soil of your heart lets God's seed in, a son of God is born. Right? Look at this. In 12, they're receiving. 13, somebody's born, which were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. You let the seed in, and God does the rest. Hey, explain to me how you take your little whatever seeds and put them in the ground and something grows out of it. Amen. Just explain it to me. How does that work? Well, you know, the germination, yeah, okay. But how does that happen? Could you make it happen? Could you do that? No. How does, how does the gospel enter into somebody's heart and a new life is born? I don't understand it. It's of God. It's not my will. It's not my blood. It's not my flesh. It's God. God said, you receive me and I'll receive you. Amen. 
Now go to James chapter 1. Am I making sense so far? I still got to tell myself, stop trying to shout over the fans. I am like, hmm. I got a little neurotic tendencies. James chapter 1. James chapter 1, look at verse 21. Great verse, James 1, 21. You with me? Say amen. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your soul. See, that word is not natural in you. It's got to be grafted in. It's foreign to you. It's like when they graft pieces of a tree together to make a tree grow off another tree. It's got to be spliced and somebody had to be pierced and that word can get grafted into you. That's a message for another day, but you receive it with meekness that it might save your soul. Now, here's my question for everybody. I'm watching at home, sitting here. If the engrafted word can save your soul, why don't more people receive it? You ever think about that? Ever do some thinking? It'll be good for you, right? If the engrafted word can save your soul, why don't more people receive it? The answer is right in the verse. It's right there. Lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word. You know why more people don't receive the word of God and receive the truth and receive Jesus Christ? It's right there in the verse. You catching it? Because sinners would rather have their sin than the Savior. That's what precedes receiving the engrafted word. You've got to be willing to, you know, lay aside something. You know why? Because they love unrighteousness. They don't want to lay it aside. I like the cesspool. I like the sin bin. I like the pig pen. It's nice in here. It's comfortable. feels good. They don't want to leave that. Now, let me just clarify, in case you're thinking I'm preaching another gospel, Laying aside your naughtiness doesn't save your soul. You could turn over a new leaf from now till the cows come home. You're not going to get any more heavenly bound than if you just kept living like a fool. But, but, it's Jesus Christ that saves your soul. Amen. It's Calvary that saves your soul. It's faith in the finished work that saves your soul. But, 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 you're not putting on a parachute if you enjoy the plane ride. You get me? You're not talking about how to get out of this world if you're loving this world. You don't want salvation if you're kind of digging the damnation. Right? So if you're not playing, you know, it's like we talk to people, it's like we talk to people on a plane that's going down. And we're like, here's the parachute. Put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put it on, put it on. Put-. And they don't want to put it on. You know why they don't want to put it on? Because they like the ride. Even though the tail's on fire, even though the oxygen masks are dropping, even though cabin pressure is falling, even though the plane is nosediving, and the captain is saying, abort, 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 take emergency procedures, and we're holding out the gospel line, they're just like, you know, they're just having a good old time. They don't want to get off that plane. They don't want anything that's going to threaten their sin. You mean I'll have to stop doing this? Well, I didn't say you had to stop doing anything. You had to stop going to hell. That's what I'm trying to get you to stop doing. 
but they don't want to stop because the thought that, oh, I might get holy, I might get clean, I might have to lay something aside. No, no, I just like it here. And that's why. You're way less inclined to receive Jesus Christ when you're in love with your filthiness. You gotta come to the end of yourself somehow before you come to Jesus Christ his way. So my question before I move on is, are you saved? If not, what are you laying hold of instead of the Savior? Why not receive Jesus Christ right now? All right, let's keep going. Go to Psalm 49. All right, that was the first point. Second one, we're going to boogie. So, if there was a day when you received Jesus Christ, there is coming a day when you will be received by Jesus Christ. All right, let me encourage you now. All right, the first part was for clarification, right? Make sure we're all in the same boat, all right? But if there is a day that you received Jesus Christ, do you remember the day? I remember the day when I received Jesus Christ. I know where I was. I know when I was. I was of sound mind. I haven't always been so sound since then. But in that moment of sound mind, I remember calling on Jesus Christ. And every once in a while, I just like to remind him that I received you, Lord. I just, I don't know if you ever do that. Just say, Lord, you're it, Lord. I'm trusting you. If not for you, I'm done. (laughs) Good to remind him of that sometimes. But if you've received him, he's going to receive you. You see, receiving Christ was the beginning of your blessings. That was your birthday into the family. The conception, so to speak, when life was founded. But being received by Christ is the end game. That's all the blessings of being in the family. That's the realization. That's, I guess you could say, the birth, right? That's when all those blessings finally come forth for all to see. The conception happens in secret, but the life is there. When that baby comes forth, then everybody sees. And when you got saved, it was in private, possibly, in the recesses of your heart. You called on Jesus Christ, but when Jesus Christ receives you, oh, everybody's going to see. When you received Christ, your soul was saved. Hallelujah. Amen. When Christ receives you, your body will be saved. Oh, you're not too excited about that. I am. I'm I'm glad my soul is saved. I'm looking forward to my body getting saved. When you received Christ, a new man entered in. Have you had the sensation since you're saved that you're not alone? I never had that going to religious activities or CCD or confirmation or communion, or the Buddhist monks, or the, this guy. I, and I did all of them. I didn't just dabble with Monsignor. I went to the Buddhist monks in Greenwich Village. I went to the, hey, you know what? Because I wanted to know the truth. And I tried the this and the that and the ding and the bong and the bing and the this and the whatever. You know what? But when you get saved, a new man moves in. The Bible calls him the hidden man of the heart. And if you walk with him, 
and you read that word, you get the distinct impression that I'm not alone in this body anymore. I'm not alone anymore at all. He's with me. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, he said. But can I tell you, when Christ receives you, your new man comes out. You got that? The Bible talks about the glorious liberty of the sons of God. When that son of God that's living inside of you cracks this clay vessel open and that new man comes out for all to see. That's when Christ receives you. Oh, that's going to be something. You see, when you received Christ, the change, the operation was private. It was by faith where nobody could see. But when Christ receives you, oh boy, all right? The change will be very public. It'll be by sight for everybody to see. Brethren, it's coming. It's coming. He's coming. It's not a cunningly devised fable. It's coming. It's coming. I listened to a good pastor friend of mine preaching the other day uh, over in uh, Staten Island. He's a visitor from Ohio. And he made a comment. I think I said it before. Joe Silvestria was. And he made a comment that he said, he goes, everybody knows Jesus is coming. He said, even lost people are starting to get this sensation that Jesus is coming. It's hard to not see how broken things are. And if you're walking with God, something inside of you just says, just sit tight. Just, 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 just put the tray tables in upright position. All right? We're moving out. <laughs> not the Billy Joel song, we're moving out. <laughs> but let's, uh, let's talk about that. It's good to get excited and rah, rah, rah. Yeah, we're getting, yeah, the Lord's coming. But Psalm 49 is where we'll start. What are the blessings that are coming to you when you are received by Christ? What are the specifics? Give me the details, Pat. Okay, I'll give you some details. They say the devil's in the details. No, God is in the details. Blessing number one. You will be delivered from death when Christ receives you. That went over like a hot auditorium, right? You will be, you will be delivered from death when Christ receives you. You will enter into eternal life. Now you've got eternal life, but you're still walking around in a body of death. But you'll enter into eternal life. Can you picture it? Summer vacation times gazillion. Psalm 49. Look at verse 6. They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches. None of them can by any means redeem his brother nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and it ceaseth forever. That he should still live forever and not see corruption. For he seeth that wise men die, likewise the fool and the brutish person perish and leave their wealth to others. Their inward thought is that their houses shall continue forever and their dwelling places to all generations. They call their lands after their own names. You know what the lost man does? The lost man operates like there's no expiration date on his life. Our wealth's going to keep going. This party's going to keep going. 
You know what? Well, I'm going to call this, you know, this land after my name. You got all these rich people now. You read about these rich people. These mega rich people are getting these bunkers and getting these little hideaways on these little islands, you know, because they, they fear when something hits, they want to have their caviar, they want their cake, and they want to eat it too, while the rest of the peasants and the serfs just struggle and pine. They call their lands after their own names. They buy their islands. Even though he'll joke, the lost man, that the only sure things are what? Death and taxes. They'll joke that the only sure things are death and taxes, but they'll pretend like they're going to live forever. In fact, that's what they want. They want to live forever. Isn't it interesting that that's what all these high-profile people are doing? They're trying to beat death with their, you know, stuff they do. And whether it's, you know, something they're doing or something they want to hook up with or link up with or transfer their consciousness to the internet, listen, they're just trying to beat death. That's it. Because they're scared to death of death. I was. That's what got me saved. You say, you're chicken. You know? Kentucky Fried. I knew what I was going to get. I knew I had H-E double hockey sticks waiting for me. I had hell waiting for me. I knew I was going to burn. I knew I was going to burn. And I was chicken little. And I found out that Jesus Christ made a way for me to escape that. Hey, I beat death 25 years ago. Have you? Jesus said, if a man keep my saying, he shall never see death. You know what it'd be like if Jesus doesn't come in about five minutes? Helen Keller said, and I've said this quote before because I like it. He said, it'd be like passing from one room into the next. But she said, only in this room, I'll be able to see. It'll be like walking out of here and just walk. It'll be the most gentle, sweet, blessed, beloved, light, enjoyable experience you've ever felt as you just pass from death unto life. Verse 12, nevertheless, man being in honor abideth not, he is like the beasts that perish. This their way is their folly, yet their posterity approve their saying, Selah. <laughs> Even though no one wants to talk about it, 10 out of 10 people still die, right? <laughs> oh, don't think about that. Don't think about that. Don't, think, don't be so negative. Hey, but it's going to happen. Hey, it's going to have, don't be, the, their posterity approve their sayings. Grandson says, oh, don't worry about that, grandpa. Great-granddaughter says, don't worry about that, great-grandma. Just eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. How does that work? It's their folly, it's their foolishness, the Bible says. But look at the next verse. Like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Notice at the end of verse 13, there's a Selah. Like, just pause. Just stop. He's saying, just, you're mortal. This life is temporary. You're not going to live forever without me, God is saying. Just say, just stop right there. I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. Stop. Say love. Then he goes on and he says, like sheep, they are laid in the grave. Death shall feed on them. And the upright shall have dominion over them in the morning. That's another message. 
and their beauty shall consume in the grave from their dwelling. So they're all going to die, but, 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 but God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. Watch it, for he shall receive me, Selah. You see that? The lost may be appointed to perish, but you are never going to die. He's going to receive you, and you're going to enter into life. Brethren, when Christ receives you, you enter into eternal life. Whether you're walking around or pushing up daisies, death will have no power to hold you. When Jesus Christ says, Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. Death cannot keep its prey. Even if you're lying in the grave, even if your body is asleep in death, when Jesus Christ summons from the air, death has no power over you. Death cannot hold you. And if you're walking around, like I think many of us are going to be walking around when that trumpet sounds, guess what? This mortal flesh, this mortal body is not going to be able to hold you down. Ain't nobody going to break my stride. (laughs) I got 80s songs in my head. I don't know what's going on. Death is not going to keep its prey. This mortality is going to put on immortality. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Those are those in the grave. Oh, grave, where is thy victory? You're not taking anybody else once that trumpet sounds. When Jesus Christ... Look, 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 look. I'll date myself again. Remember the old Dawn commercial? Dawn takes grease, boom, out of the way, right? And they put you in this pot, and there's all that grease, and that little bit of Dawn would just drop in there, boom. And once that soap touched the grease, it was gone. Brethren, once Jesus Christ makes contact with you, death is gone forever, right? Death is gone. It's, you're just going to be clean. There's just going to be life forevermore. It's just taking a few minutes to shake off this mortal coil, like our friend Hamlet would say. But hey, you're going to shake this off one day, and then it's going to just be life, 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 life forevermore. You know what he says at the end of verse 15? Selah. Just stop right there. Just take a moment to pause. Just take a moment to rest. Just take a moment to take in that blessed truth that when Jesus Christ receives you, you will leave the body of this death behind forever. You think about that? Paul would say, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Jesus will. When Jesus Christ calls, come up hither, you are entering the bliss of life forevermore. That's a benefit of him receiving you. I will receive you unto myself. You know who Jesus Christ is? Eternal life. You'll be with eternal life. Go to Psalm 73. Let me give you another one. I'm hurrying here. Look at verse number 21. Benefit number two. You will receive a reward from the Lord Jesus Christ. Not only eternal life, but if you've been faithful, eternal glory. 
Psalm 73, verse 21. Asaph says, Thus my heart was grieved, and I was pricked in my reins. So foolish was I, and ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. This is old man Asaph here. Like the author Asaph, it's easy to get discouraged down here. Amen? Amen, Amen, brother? It's easy to get discouraged down here. It's easy to get like Asaph, like a beast, just looking at the ground, looking at the world, looking at the earth, looking at, you know, one foot in front of you. But 23, nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Blessed to know that even in those inward valleys you may face, even in those seasons, in those bouts of discouragement, even when the Lord feels maybe a thousand miles away, he's like, I've always been just holding your right hand. Isn't that a blessing? Asaph felt as far from God as many of us feel sometimes. But Asaph, when he got his mind right, he says, you've been holding my right hand the whole time. Even when I let go of you, you never let go of me. Even when I moved, you never moved. That's a blessing. And then he says in verse 24, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel and afterward receive me to glory. You see that? If you allow the Lord to lead you, the Lord will reward you with his glory. You see, the Lord gives you eternal life as a gift when you receive him. The Lord gives you eternal glory as a reward when he receives you. Does that make sense? You you trusted the Lord's work for you to save your soul. You trust the Lord's work in you to save your life. Can you believe it? I mean, can you just take that deal in? I mean, just take this deal in. I'm not selling you anything, but just fathom this. The Lord will save your soul as a free gift, not by works of righteousness, but as he has done, right? And he'll reward you for letting him work in your life. It's all his work. It's all his goodness. It's all his grace. It's all him. It's all his work. You trusted his work to save you, and then you trust his work to lead you. He'll save you and give you eternal life by just trusting what he did on the cross, and then he'll give you an eternal reward for trusting him every step after that. What have you done? You trusted him. Who's doing the work? It's him. Philippians 2 says, For it is God that worketh in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Hey, I get saved on a Wednesday. On Tuesday, I have no natural desires to read the Bible. I have no natural desires to be kind to people. I have no natural inclination to cease from anger. I get saved on a Wednesday. Somebody moves in. On Thursday, I want to see what that Bible has to say. I want to maybe watch my mouth a little bit. I've got a desire to maybe go to that church where they told me about the gospel. I didn't, I mean, naturally, I was as lost as a goose on Tuesday, and now on Thursday, I've got these new desires and these new inclinations and these new directions. Where's that coming from? That's not me. 
That's somebody working inside of me and trying to steer me in a new direction. It is God that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. When did he move in? When you got saved. Now you trusted him to get saved by faith and now you trust him to walk by faith. You know what? He saves you by grace and he rewards you by just letting you to continue trusting him. That's an amazing deal. I think anyway. You know when you take a you take a long car ride to see somebody, you see family. Everybody's so happy when you arrive. Oh, thank you for coming. Thank you for taking the trip. But you didn't do anything. The car and your phone did all the work. You simply yielded to the counsel of your map and followed its leading, and the car took you there. But when you arrive, they thank you for coming. They bless you with good things. Grandma stuffs a burger in your mouth, something like that. Something happens. But brethren, you may go through like Asaph, your ups and downs. But if you just yield to God's counsel, you get God's glory. You understand that? And when you arrive, when Jesus Christ receives you, everyone is going to be so excited to see you that you made the trip, but you didn't really do anything. All you did was just yield to God working in you and they're just happy to see you and they got this reward for you and it's all because you yielded to the direction of God's Holy Spirit in your life. So when you end up at your destination, they're all thrilled to see you and you enter in and God says, well done, thou good and faithful service. Enter into the joy of thy Lord. You say, what did I do? That's why you cast the crown at his feet because you didn't do anything. You just yielded to what he was trying to do in you. And God rewards you. And God rewards you for that. That's mind-blowing. That's mind-blowing. All you got to do is yield to his counsel if you want to receive his glory. That's it. Are you doing your best to turn when this book says turn? To stop when this book says stop? To change course when this book says reroute. Because this book is your GPS. God's preserved scriptures. There it is right there. Your GPS. God's preserved scriptures in your King James Bible. That's directing your journey. If you let it steer you in the right direction, hey, you're going to end up on the other side happy, blessed, with a reward waiting for you. Amen. Go to John chapter 14, last verse. Right back where we started. And finally, last benefit, last blessing when Christ receives you. I think this might be the best one. Verse 3 again. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there ye may be also. The last blessing I see is When Christ receives you, you'll be with the Lord. 
eternal life, eternal glory, eternal fellowship. No breaks anymore. No more parting over there. You ever read over there in Mark chapter 5? They're preaching about me, uh, preaching about that maniac uh, in Mark chapter 5, that maniac of Gadara. And when he gets saved, the Bible says in Mark 5, 18, that he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. That's good fruit. The first thing that guy did or wanted after he got saved was, I just want to be with you, Jesus. You could do all that for me. I was naked. I was cutting myself. I was harming myself. I was hearing stuff. I was full of the devils. They had me in bondage. Nobody could tame me. And in just a word, you gave me this life. You gave me this sound mind. You gave me something nobody could do. You know what, Lord? I think I just want to stay with you. That's pretty good preaching right there, right? It's pretty good message right there. You know what the first thing you should be is? Wherever Jesus is, I just want to be with him. But that was the start. That was the beginning. And sadly, the Lord said, you know what he said to me? He said, go home to thy friends and tell them how great things God had done for thee and had had compassion on thee. And as he went home and he blazed abroad the matter. And as much as you and I just want to be with Jesus, we got work to do. We got people to tell. We got a witness to be. We got a, a life to live out before others. The Lord says, go home. Go home, son. Go home. We like to write that song, I come to the garden alone and the dew is still on the roses. Right? But I think that song says, but he bids me go through this, through through the voice of woe. Right? There's still like all this woe and hardship we have to go through. Even though we just like to stay in that garden, we still gotta go out there and do something like that maniac. But at the end of it all, in 1 Thessalonians 4, when the Lord talks about coming down, it says, he comes down, we gather together with him, and it adds this little postscript. It says, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. If you're saved, like that maniac, you just wanted to be with him, and there was no... Couldn't happen yet. But when he comes for us, you're going to be with him forever. He said, you've been waiting. I know you've been longing. I know you've been weeping. I know you've been praying. I know you've been trying. But I'm here now. We're going to be together forever. That's what he says. It's like that song we sing, or we hopefully will sing. There'll be no sorrow there. No more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no more pain, and no more parting over there. And that's exciting, isn't it? To fathom those truths like truths, not fluffy religious things to be smoke up your nose. It's exciting to fathom those things. But that's not the best part of the verse. Because the verse goes on to say, And forever I will be with the one who died for me. What a day, glorious day that will be. The best part of the whole verse is forever 
I will be with the one who died with me, died for me. The best blessing about Christ receiving you is you get to be with Christ. He's the reason you have eternal life. He's the reason you get any glory. Don't you want to be with the one who gave you all these blessings? You know what Jesus is? He says in verse 3, that where I am, there you may be also. He says, I'm coming to receive you because I want to be with you. Like a bridegroom wants to be with his bride. I wonder, are any of us loving his appearing? He's loving our appearing. He's longing to see us. You longing to see him? Is he going to spoil your plans? Going to mess up your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, your one-year plan? Hey, here's the plan. Jesus. That's the plan. That's the plan. Can you look back to the day you received Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Can you look back to that day? If so, you can look forward to the day that Jesus Christ receives you. When he receives you, eternal life, eternal glory, eternal fellowship. But if you've never received Christ, Jesus Christ will never receive you. That's the fact, Jack. I mean, if you never RSVP to the wedding... They don't put a seat for you at the table. There's no place prepared for you. You show up. It's like, what are you doing here? You say, I didn't respond. No, you responded. You said no. No, I never said no. No, you said no. You said no when you didn't respond. (laughs) It's not like yes, no, maybe. It's yes or no. You receive Christ or you don't. You accept him or you reject him. It's heaven or hell. It's up or down. It's saved or lost. So if you don't RSVP yes to the wedding, you told God no. If that wedding were to come tomorrow, if that reception was to come tomorrow, you'd miss out. But if you receive Jesus Christ, I want to leave you with this thought. Take comfort in his promise that he's coming again and he's going to receive you unto himself. Amen. Let's pray. Let's pray.